So a friend of mine recommended this website for this reading. I hope you'll appreciate it. It's from the website Hyperbole and a Half, which is basically someone's blog. And it's titled, This is Why I'll Never Be an Adult. I have repeatedly discovered that it's important for me to not surpass my capacity for responsibility. Over the years, the capacity has grown, but the results of exceeding it have not changed. Normally, my capacity has exceeded gradually through the accumulation of simple daily tasks. But a few times a year, I decide spontaneously that I'm ready to be a real adult. I don't know why I decide this. It always ends terribly for me. But I do it anyway. I sit myself down, tell myself how I'm going to start cleaning the house every day and paying my bills on time and replying to emails before my inbox reaches quadruple digits. Schedules are drafted, day planners are purchased, I stock up on fancy food because I'm also planning on morphing into a master chef and actually cooking instead of just eating nachos for dinner every night. I prepare for my new life as an adult like some people prepare for the apocalypse. The first day or two of my plans usually goes okay. For a while, I actually feel grown up and responsible. I strut around with my head held high, looking the other responsible people in the eye with that knowing glance that says, I understand. I'm responsible now too. Look at my groceries. (laughs) At some point, I start feeling self-congratulatory. This is a mistake. I begin to feel like I've accomplished my goals. It's like I think that adulthood is something that can be earned, like a trophy, in one monumental burst of effort and then admired and coveted for the rest of one's life. What usually ends up happening is that I completely wear myself out. Thinking I've earned it, I give myself permission to slack off for a while and recover since I've exceeded my capacity for responsibility in such a dramatic fashion I end up needing to take more recovery time than usual. And then the guilt spiral starts. Because the longer I procrastinate on returning phone calls and emails, the more guilty I feel about it. The guilt I feel causes me to avoid the issue even more, which only leads to more guilt and more procrastination. It gets to the point where I don't email someone for fear of reminding them that they emailed me and thus giving them a reason to be disappointed in me. Then the guilt for my ignored responsibilities grows so large that merely carrying it around feels like a huge responsibility. It takes up a big portion of my capacity, leaving me almost completely useless for anything other than consuming nachos and surfing the internet. At some point in this endlessly spiraling disaster, I'm forced to throw all of my energy into trying to be an adult again, just to dig myself out of the pit I've fallen into. The problem is that I enter this round of attempted adulthood already burnt out from the last round, and so I can't not fail. It always ends the same way. Slumped and haggard, I contemplate the seemingly endless tasks ahead of me, and then I rebel. So ends our reading. (laughs) Frankly, I'm not sure I can do better than that in the sermon, but let me start. I had to get a new driver's license. This was some time back now. And uh, Chris and I had both been dragging our feet on it until one day she said, let's do it. So we got the forms together. We went there. We checked in. We got our number. And we waited and waited. And eventually we're called up to the counter. 
and we had all our forms, except it turns out I lacked one form that I really needed. And it wasn't something I could just fill out there. It was something I needed from home, which meant I could not get my license right then. But of course, Kristen could. And so I got to wait even more as she took the test and got her picture and all the things you have to do. And so I identify so much with that reading because I don't even want to admit to you how much longer it was before I eventually went back and did get my license, but a long time, much longer than any responsible adult should do. And for me, this is one of those things. It's one of those things I hate to do. It's not that hard to get a new license, generally, you know, for most of us, but it's inconvenient and boring and apparently annoyingly easy for me to screw up because I did. Maybe you have something similar for you in your life. Maybe it's even the same thing. And so I thought of this when I thought of um, this term that I've heard a lot called adulting. I may have even used it a few times. We've used it a few times here today, though I want to just give a really specific definition. I even looked this up. I don't usually define words, but it's a new one, so here we go. The practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks. So there you go. Because we all have chores that we really hate, right? I was talking to one of our children recently. He was upset at having to do something at school that he doesn't like doing. And I explained, because I don't think he realized but that I, a full-grown adult person with pretty considerable agency in my life, also have to do things I don't really like to do. That there's not probably going to be some end to this thing for him. (laughs) That virtually every day I have to do something that I don't really enjoy doing, but enjoy having done. At home, at work, out in the world, you name it. We live in a world in which it's supposedly easier to do everything than it has ever been, right? I can deposit a check from my phone, which was a revelation to me a few years ago. In fact, I don't even need checks anymore, right? I can do almost this bill pays online. I can Venmo you some money instantly. None of us really have to go out shopping anymore. Amazon may be evil, but it's awful convenient. There are more people who are providing more and more diverse services than ever before, so you can pay somebody, if you have the means to do it, to do other things. But then you have to schedule them to do it, which is just another chore, right? This ease of doing things does not seem to me to have made our lives any easier. I feel as as busy as I ever did. And it turns out this is not a new complaint, It's not clear that our lives are busier or more stressful than those in the past. The studies differ a little bit on this. Certainly, our lives are stressful in different ways than people in the past. But in 1872, an article in the Times of London, 1872, 150 years ago, suggested that rising death rates from heart disease were, quote, the unavoidable result of the great mental strain and hurried excitement generated by steam and electricity overcrowded communities, and the relentless and exhausting struggle for existence. In about the same era, this is a recent article by the medical writer Mark Jackson, but looking at um, historical texts and, and other evidence, he says, 
perhaps the most persistent late Victorian version of a connection between advanced societies and stress was embedded in the concept of neurasthenia, a term popularized in the 1860s by the American neurologist George M. Beard and widely adopted in Europe. In several books on neurasthenia, or what he referred to as, quote, American nervousness, Beard explained the growing prevalence of nervous fatigue in terms of the pressures of modern life in a passage that betrayed a multitude of anxieties about rapid technological and cultural change, he argued that the nervousness could be traced to the principal features of modern civilization, namely steam power, the periodical press, the telegraph, the sciences, and the mental activity of women. So there might be some differences. Today I worry less about certain diseases than the Victorians did. We have antibiotics, for instance. But perhaps more, rather more stress is caused to me because of things like social media and 24-hour news cycles and the threat of nuclear war and, I don't know, our president trying to destroy the country. Traffic might be worse. I hear about these super commuters in the Bay Area who spend, what is it, more than two hours a day on average, driving to and from work. Though if you look at reports about the number of deaths, for instance, caused by horse-drawn wagons and then early motor vehicles, I'm not sure traffic really is worse. At least it's not easy to say. It's hard to say whether we lead more complicated lives or whether things are harder than they used to be, but I know they're not easy. I occasionally, only occasionally, envy monks and nuns of all the religious traditions. I read about people who have devoted themselves to the religious life and they pray and work and keep very simple lives. I note, too, they don't have spouses or children, which probably helps. And I don't envy that very often. I imagine I would be bored really quickly. But adulting is no joke. And I think for me, at least, part of the real adulting is is, uh, figuring out what's next. I had goals for my life growing up. Probably you did too. They changed and evolved. Some of them I do not miss at all. Others I do miss but have moved past. And a surprising number of them I've achieved. I'm married and in a really great marriage, if I can say so. I have children I was not necessarily planning on four of them, but the more the merrier. Just kidding, I have enough. No, no more. Um, I have a job I like that compensates me relatively well. Excuse me. That was not a commentary, that was just my throat. Um, We own a house, or as I like to say, we actually just own a large mortgage on a house, really, right? But one day, perhaps. And so lately I found myself thinking, what's what's next? You know, there are things I could do. Should I focus more on work? Perhaps it's time to do some specific theological work or to focus and deepen a particular part of my ministry here. Is now the time to do research and publish a book or something like that? With sabbatical coming up next year for Kristen and myself, that's a real possibility. 
A number of my colleagues, especially sort of in my peer group, have done more academic work. They are either have gotten or are getting a doctor of ministry degree. And though I admit I never really loved school, I loved being in school, but not so much the act of doing school. There are things I would be interested in pursuing for that degree, and the Reverend Dr. Christian Schmidt has a nice sound to it. Or is it time to put more time into family? It takes a lot of time already, but raising four boys consumes your time and energy, but it also multiplies your love. Are there things they need that we could be doing a better job of providing that we should be? And I have to say that nobody told me about this. This questioning of what to do once you've achieved a lot of what you set out to do. A friend just slightly older than me has been having the same sort of ponderings lately. And I wondered, is, is this what middle age is? I'm 38, so maybe it is. But since I wasn't sure, I googled it. <laughs> and I found a great article. HuffPost, the online collector of news and opinions, conveniently had a list of 25 signs of middle age. <laughs> I'm not going to read you all 25, but I picked out a few. Number, uh, I won't number. Anyway. Reading on your phone becomes difficult because the font is suddenly tiny and blurry. Uh, number t- Hair starts appearing everywhere on your nose, face, and ears. Well, I've had this for a long time, so that's not now. You go to bed by 8 p.m. and fall asleep by 9 p.m. Not true of me, but there's someone I won't name in our household who does this. She's sitting back there. Okay. You experience body aches and pains. I have a few of those. Yeah. You begin thinking teachers, doctors, slash everyone looks really young. You start enjoying naps more than ever. I never napped when I was younger. And now I do, when I can at least. So yes. You start sounding and acting like your parents. Oh God, every day I say something that my parents said to me. You find yourself saying what and huh all the time. I don't know if I do that or not. Music videos and TV shows suddenly look extremely racy. And the last one I'll share with you, though there are plenty more. You have no idea what young people are talking about. (laughs) I don't imagine everyone here will identify with this because we're all at our different stages of adulting. Our kids and youth are in the not yet adulting phase. Some of our members, our younger members, are in early adulting. I think I'm in the mid-adulting, roughly my age bracket. And there's advanced adulting one and advanced adulting two. And I don't know how many for those out there of a certain age. I see a lot of the not yet adulting at my own house with our children. And I'm not too far removed from early adulting, from frequent moves and desperately seeking jobs, pondering, and in my case, ultimately choosing to go to graduate school from dating and getting married and all that stuff. So I think I am entering this middle age thing and trying to make sense of that. And I've seen in our Aging with Grace group, which Kristen and I attend when we can, which has opened my my eyes more than ever to the issues of later adulthood, as has watching my parents and their peer group age. 
We're all to use the words of our monthly theme, encountering and crossing thresholds all the time. We might call them rites of passage or developmental stages or just the next darn thing we have to do. And so ideally, and I hope at least some of the time here in reality, this congregation and those like it help us to deal with these thresholds of life, with difficulties in our daily lives, with all that comes with it. We offer religious, spiritual, political, and practical advice, I hope, and I really, really don't just mean here in sermons. We offer places to share and be supported, especially in places like our chalice circle, our men's groups, Aging with Grace, though also in places like Parents' Night Out where we share, in our caucus groups for people of color, our caucus group for whites engaging anti-racism work, in coffee hour. We offer opportunities to make our communities better and ourselves through advocacy, social justice, through our sanctuary team, through work on environmental justice, our work with our partner church, and so, so many more opportunities. And I hope that we can reframe these, if you think of them this way, from one more thing you should be doing, it's not that, but something to help you live into the person you most want to be, to adult in the very best way. Because we welcome all of us here We love all of us here, and we love each and every one of us too much to let us stay just the way we are, because we want people to grow and bloom and be their most amazing, fantastic, grounded, lovely selves. And so when I use the term from now on, this is what I really want to mean by adulting, not just the mundane and necessary tasks we have to do, but that we are maturing into our best selves and that our congregation is one place that helps us do that. So may it be so, and may it be so now and for a very long, long time to come.